I would like you to visualize with me. It's noontime. Your tummy's grumbling, and so you want to go out for lunch. Now, you, you check, and, and all you got is a fiver. So you decide to go to Taco Bell because you know you can at least get a meal for five bucks. So you decide to go to Taco Bell. You walk in there, and, and immediately you see, you experience that Taco Bell vibe. You, you see Liv Moss up on the wall. You go in there, and you know, you know the food will be simple, no fuss, inexpensive. They'll be able to fill you up for five bucks. So you're standing in line, and right, right as you're about to get there, you feel you, wait, wait, what? And you find a couple, crumpled up 20 in your pocket. You're like, yes, laundry day. Okay, perfect. Now, well, see, now you're just balling. So you decided to really upgrade, go to Chipotle across the street. Got 25 bucks here. You might even spring for chips. So you walk into Chipotle, and you, you immediately get a whole different vibe. You walk up there, and, and, and you probably see signs, posters on the wall about all natural ingredients, sustainable farming practices, and you, and you know you'll be able to get your food customized exactly the way you want it, and the burrito's going to be gigantic and yummy and warm. But it's a totally different vibe between these two stores. One isn't a better vibe than the other. They're just different. But one thing is true about both of these stores, their vibe, their style, what you experience when you walk through the doors is very intentional, and it's there to accomplish their mission. Whether you're Taco Bell or Chipotle, you have a mission you are trying to accomplish, and their vibe when you walk in is part of that mission. And you see, that's true for restaurants, and it's true for churches. Did you know churches have a vibe? And if you've been to a number of different churches over the course of your life, you have probably experienced very different vibes. In fact, from right here, a two-mile radius from this location, there are ten different churches. All very different. Big Lutheran churches, small Lutheran churches. Catholic churches, Episcopal churches, um, Church of Christ, non-denominational, CMA, all kinds of different churches. And every one of those different churches, if you walk in on a Sunday morning, they probably have a very different vibe. And that's, that's what happens with every single church, every single organization has a vibe. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about our values as, that, that are a part of our DNA. And we talked about values like acceptance, transformation, relevance, biculturalism, authenticity, and impact. Those are the six river life values. Now, you might be wondering, well, how does a vibe differ from values? They're, they are similar. They are related because they both contribute to an organization's culture. Uh, you, you might have heard of this idea of a corporate culture. Well, churches can have culture as well. So both values and vibe contribute to a church's culture, but they're different. You see, values are often deep beneath the surface. So like in here, these walls have two-by-fours behind them. Those two-by-fours are like the values. You may come here every week and never see those two-by-fours. Hopefully you don't because that means our wall just got ripped down.
vibe, on the other hand, vibe is different. Vibe is what's on the surface. Vibe is the paint. Because you see the paint color every week. You may not see the, the two-by-fours, the studs, but they're there. But the vibe is what you see. It's on the surface. And one visit, even one minute is all it takes to experience the vibe of whether it's a paint color or what is a church like when you walk through the doors. Now, that's a little explanation about what vibe is all about. Now, so you might be asking, well, is a vibe like a church vibe even biblical? Shouldn't we just be preaching Jesus because Jesus doesn't have a vibe? Well, yeah, Jesus has a vibe also. <laughs> Read through the Gospels and he's got a very clear vibe. But you know what? Even in Scripture, even in the Bible, churches had a vibe. Now, we don't know a whole lot about the different churches of the New Testament, like the one the book of Colossians and Ephesians and Corinthians, those are all written to churches. We don't know a whole lot about the vibe of those churches, but there are two churches in the Bible that we know a lot about their vibe. So I want to share those churches with you today and help you capture a little bit that this idea of a vibe that's part of the DNA of a church and is very intentional, that has been around for thousands of years. It's not a new idea to us, certainly. It was actually God's idea to create a church with a vibe to accomplish and communicate a certain mission or goal. So the first one I want to talk about, the first one is probably the most important church of the Old Testament. It's the temple at Jerusalem. Now, it wasn't a church. They didn't call it a church. It was the temple. And now this temple was the center of Jewish religion. It was where the Jews offered sacrifices. It's where the priests read the law. It was where they held festivals. And it was where God literally resided. God actually resided in the most holy room of this temple. It's right on the inside of that big tall part that you see toward the back. And that was where God resided. So it, it, it is impossible to underestimate the importance of the temple in the religious life of Israel. And so that's the one. And today, so I want to read a little bit of a description of this temple. Because the Bible goes through a lot of detail, almost excruciating detail about this temple how it should be built, and then what it looked like when it was finished. And I believe there's a very specific purpose for that. God had a very specific purpose for creating this temple the way he did. So, I want to read a passage. You can find descriptions of the temple in 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles, multiple chapters. And today we're reading a section of one of the chapters. It's a little bit long. It's probably the longest passage that I've read as part of a sermon here at River Life. So, so sit back and relax. I'm going to read the whole thing through. And what I want you to do is I want you to visualize it. Imagine yourself there. What, what would it feel like to be standing amid this description? <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is out of 1 Kings chapter 6. So Solomon built the temple, and that's King Solomon, the son of King David. 
So he, he, Solomon was the third king in the, in the line of Israel. So Solomon built the temple and completed it. He lined the interior walls with cedar boards, paneling them from the floor of the temple to the ceiling, and covered the floor of the temple with planks of juniper. He partitioned off 20 cubits, about 30 feet. A cubit is about a foot and a half, by the way. You can do, I, I've given you all the conversions there. So he part, partitioned off about 30 feet at the rear of the temple with cedar boards from floor to ceiling to form within the temple an inner sanctuary, the most holy place. The main hall in front of this room was 40 cubits, 60 feet long. The inside of the temple was cedar carved with gourds and open flowers. Everything was cedar, no stone was to be seen. He prepared the inner sanctuary within the temple and set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, 20 high. That's 30 by 30 by 30 feet. He overlaid the inside with pure gold, and he overlaid the altar of cedar. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold, and he extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. He also overlaid the gold, with gold the altar that belonged in the inner sanctuary. For the inner sanctuary, he made a, a pair of cherubim, which were angelic creatures. He made a pair of cherubim out of olive wood, each 10 cubits, 15 feet high. One wing of the first cubit was five, of the first cherub was five cubits, seven and a half feet, five cubits long. And the other wing was five cubits, seven and a half feet. Ten cubits from wingtip to wingtip. The, the second cherub was also measured ten cubits, 15 feet. For the two cherubim were identical in, in size and shape. The height of each cherub, cherub was ten cubits, 15 feet. He placed the cherubim inside the innermost room of the temple with their wings spread out. The wing of one cherub touched the wall while the wing of the other touched the other wall and their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. He overlaid the cherubim with gold. On the walls all around the temple, in both the inner and the outer rooms, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He also covered the floors of both the inner and the outer rooms of the temple with gold. For the entrance, for the entrance to the inner sanctuary, he made doors out of olive wood that were one-fifth the width of the sanctuary. And on two of the olive wood doors, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. And he overlaid the cherubim and the palm trees with hammered gold. In the same way, the entrance to the main hall, he made door frames out of olive wood that, that were one-fourth of the width of the hall. He also made two doors out of juniper wood, each having two leaves that turned into sockets. He carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers on them and overlaid them with gold-hammered uh, with gold hammered evenly over the, the carvings. And he built the inner courtyard of three courses of dressed stone and one course of trimmed cedar beams. Whew. Still there? Haven't fallen asleep? Okay, still there. Good. Now, I know that was a lot. That was a lot of auditory learning there for a moment. So for all you visual, visual learners, I've got a short video here that's a 3D modeling of what the temple probably, possibly looked like. There were obviously no pictures. This was long 
before people were like selfie sticking themselves in front of the temple or anything. But so we have no pictures, but there's so much description in scripture, we have a pretty good idea of what it looked like. So here's a brief video, it's about three minutes, a 3D rendering of what being in that temple might have looked like. So again, I want you to just immerse yourself in this and imagine you're there and imagine what are you feeling? What's the vibe of this place?
Now, I know there was a ton in that that we didn't even touch on. We could spend a whole month talking about all of the components of the temple. Uh, but for now, what were some of, as you were watching those, what were some of the words? Think about some of the words that came to mind. Huge. Beautiful. Awe-inspiring. Lavish. Blinged out. It's true. That, now, think about it. Talk about a vibe. That temple, if you think about the folks who would come to the temple to offer sacrifices, that is probably the largest structure that most of those people had ever seen. That was probably the most bronze that any of them had ever seen, and certainly more gold than any of them ever ever seen and probably would ever see in their whole lifetime. This was unfathomable for us to imagine what it was like to stand there in front of this temple. Completely overwhelming. Now, I believe that God had one clear purpose in this. Now, you might be thinking like, why so big? Why so lavish? Why so blinked out? God had one clear purpose. And that was to, to, to demonstrate, physically demonstrate the majesty of God, the bigness of God, the greatness of God, and in turn the smallness of us. Because we often tend to reverse that. We often make God a whole lot smaller than he really is, and we tend to make ourselves a whole lot bigger than we really are. But that temple, you just could not do that walking into that temple. Because there's something huge, grand, enormous. See, that's something that like St. Paul's Cathedral in downtown, that they've got over river life every day. You walk in there and you're just, whoa. Because that is the, our response to God. And I think that was absolutely God's intention. Was to convey to his people who came to the temple. How big and how grand and how completely other was God in all of his majesty and all of his glory. And I think that temple accomplished that goal through its vibe. Now I want to tell you about another church that's talked about in the Bible. Totally different vibe. In case some people will argue, well, that's what churches should be. The temple is what churches should be. If you look at a lot of churches through sort of the Renaissance, Middle Ages, into the Renaissance, they built giant churches. And they were modeled in that same philosophy as the Old Testament temple. The Mormon tabernacles are built with that same idea. Even today, if you've ever seen a, a Mormon church, they are large and enormous because they model after the same vibe idea as the Old Testament. But that's not the only vibe the Bible talks about. There was another church, this one in the New Testament. In fact, it's the very first church in Jerusalem. It's talked about in Acts 2, and, and it was literally was the very first church that ever existed. This was a very short time after Jesus was raised from the dead, and then taken back up into heaven. 
then the, the, the disciples gathered. They received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They started speaking in miraculous languages. They miraculously all of a sudden started to speak all kinds of language so everybody could hear the gospel. Everybody could be amazed at God's power. And then Peter, the leader of the disciples, and, and Jesus' leader, appointed leader for the church, stood up and gave a sermon. And in that sermon, at the end of that, thousands of people believed in Jesus and got baptized. And then they formed the first church. Now, that church had a very distinct vibe. We're going to read a passage here, a very common one. If you've been around churches, you've probably heard this, but it paints an incredible picture of the vibe of that early church. So this is toward the end of Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Could you feel it? Could you feel what that church was like? Imagine being in the middle of that crowd. What was the feeling there? What was the vibe? Well, it was loving, caring, generous. It was deeply spiritual, but also deeply relational. There was something really natural or organic to it. This was before they had structures and programs and elders and things like that. It was very natural and organic. It almost feels communal, like, li like living commune life. Everyone was providing for everyone else. There was no one hungry, no one in need. Now, that church had a vibe. Now, don't get me wrong. It changed. I mean, as the church grew, it ran into problems, and there were controversies and issues. And every church has them. But at the beginning there, there was a vibe unlike anything else that existed in Jerusalem. In fact, part of that vibe was that they found favor with the people outside the church. They started building a good reputation because they had such an incredible vibe, particularly of welcoming, welcoming in women, welcoming in the poor, providing for those in need. It was an incredible vibe that went on in that church. Now, that church had a vibe. And because of that vibe, that church impacted individuals, they impacted families, they impacted the community of Jerusalem, and they impacted eternity with people being saved. Now, just like those two churches, River Life has a vibe. It's part of our DNA, and it's very intentional. And just like those churches, we hope that our vibe can also impact people and families and a community and even eternity by people believing in Jesus Christ and getting baptized. So what is the River Life vibe? 
Now, if you remember, m remember the idea that the values are the studs, the two by fours in the wall. You can't see them, but they shape this building every week. Now, the vibe, these are the things on the surface. These are the things that you could experience within minutes of arriving at River Life. And so as I read and talk about some of these things, I hope you'll be like, yeah, I experienced that at River Life. Yeah, I get that when I come up to the cafe or when I pull into the parking lot. I feel that. I get that. So here's some of River Life's vibe. We've identified four characteristics around River Life that represent our vibe. First, we are family. Church is not a place to go to. It's a family to belong to. And often we make church into a building. We make church into a, an event on Sunday. But that's not what it is. Church is a family that you belong to. That's why almost every week I call you all River Life family. Because that's what we are. The dominant metaphor for the, in the New Testament for church is family. And in fact, it's not even a metaphor. It is a spiritual reality. Because if you are a believer in Christ, you are adopted into God's family. God the Father is your heavenly Father. Other believers are, are your adopted brothers and sisters. And we all have a big brother in Jesus. We are not just metaphorically family. We are literally family. And so around here, we take that spiritual truth very seriously. We hug. We catch up. We want to know each other's names. That's why we do the name tags. Because not just like we want to know your names, but we want you to know each other's names. That's why we do these every week. That this is more than just a place you go to and then a place you leave. Our desire that, that this is a family for you. And that here, that you have people that know you. And then there are people here that you know. Because that's what family is about. And from the time when you park your car to the time when you leave, whether it's your first time or your 50th time, you are a part of the River Life family. So our second vibe, our second characteristic is we are innovative. Uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church says this, to reach people that no one is reaching, you have to do things no one is doing. And we launched River Life to reach an unreached, an unministered to group of people, second and third gen mom. And a, prior to, to River Life, a lot of you, you were not connected to a church. You were disappointed. You were disillusioned. Maybe you grew up and you left the church. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so one of our big values around here is that we're innovative. Uh, one of the phrases we say is that we are a high-risk, low-anxiety church, which means we're going to take risks, and we're not going to stress about it. See, a lot of churches are the total opposite. Y'all laughing because you know it. You, you've been in churches, you've been in families that are the total opposite. We're going to be low-risk and high-anxiety in other words, we're not going to do anything, and we're going to worry a lot. No, 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 no. That's not how we run around here. Around here, we are high risk, low anxiety. 
which means we're going to try stuff. And if it's awesome, we keep it. And if it's not, we dump it. And we try something new. We believe that leaders are learners. And the moment you stop learning is when you stop becoming an effective leader. So I'm constantly still trying to learn, trying to figure out how can we best disciple you? What can we do? What what does the next five years of this church look like? What does the next 10 years of this church look like? We're trying to figure that out. But we want to be innovative. And we want to try stuff. And if you've been around Hmong churches, you, you walk in here and you might experience things you've never seen in a Hmong church before. Not the least of which is a giant white pastor. Why not? <laughs> why couldn't a white guy pastor a Hmong church? Why not? It's working so far. And the minute it stops working, I'm out of here. Because <laughs> I'm no longer effective. So we are innovative. Um, sec- uh, the uh, third one is um, we are welcoming. We are welcoming. Something, a, a phrase that I've coined, I like to say around here, is that if you don't have a positive experience of church, it's hard to have a positive experience of God. God is really intangible a lot of the time. Sometimes he is very tangible, but a lot of time he is intangible. The Bible says he is the, the invisible God. But he is real, and he is present, and he is here. And, and it's really important for us because God is kind of tough for us to wrap our heads around. You know what's not hard to wrap our heads around? Church. And I believe that most people who reject God, they don't reject God. They reject church. They reject Christians. And most atheists that I've talked to, that I've read about, as I, 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 you hear their story, there is often a very negative experience of church in their history. So you know what? Around here, we are welcoming. We want you to feel great when you're here. Thank you. <laughs> we want you to love church. You know what the saddest things is being a part of a church full of people who don't love church. I've been there. And I just, because for most of the churches I've attended in my life, I've loved my churches. So when we launched River Life, I wanted a church that people loved coming to. And hopefully you do. And this is an enjoyable time. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to push. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm not going to call you out on sin. But I want you to enjoy your time at church because I believe that when you are feel welcomed into church, you understand what it feels to be welcomed by God. So we are welcoming. And then lastly, we have fun. It is just plain sinful to bore a person with the gospel. That, that's adapted from one of my youth ministry heroes, a guy by the name of uh, Jim Rayburn. He founded an organization called Young Life back in the 50s, which essentially reinvented youth ministry for the 20th century. The, the youth ministry that I accepted Christ into was heavily influenced by Young Life. So his quote is, 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 is sinful to bore a kid with the gospel. And, and I follow that in youth ministry. I absolutely believe that. 
And so I've taken it up here as well, that it's just plain sinful to bore a person with the gospel. I believe it's, it, it is just wrong to bore a person with church. So you know what? We have fun. We also understand, don't get me wrong, fun doesn't save anyone. But it sure makes the spiritual journey a whole lot more enjoyable. So I laugh. I tell goofy stories about myself. And I enjoy it. I enjoy myself up here because one of the other things that I say to myself and I, I don't say to you because it just is, I'm speaking to me. If I'm not having fun, they're not having fun. So you'll, you're, hopefully you'll never see me up here phoning it in because <laughs> then it's time to kick me to the curb. Because I want to enjoy myself up here and have some fun because it makes this spiritual journey together a whole lot more enjoyable. We laugh, we joke, we take God seriously, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. We have fun. So there you have it. We are family. We are welcoming. We are innovative. And we are fun. That's the vibe of river life. So I want to ask you two questions. First, is this something you can buy into? Is this something you can agree with? You're like, you know what? I like a church with that vibe. Now, if this isn't a vibe that you like in church, there are a whole lot of other churches out there with different vibes. Find one where you thrive. But if this is a vibe that you like, if this is a vibe that you'd be like, I can do this. I can vibe with their vibe. Okay? Wonderful. Chances are you've got a good home here at River Life. So that's the first is, is this a vibe you can get behind? Because you are a part of this vibe just as much as any leader, as any volunteer. You all contribute to this vibe. Now, the second question. This one's a little harder. With your personality, style, and life history, do you contribute to this vibe or do you detract from it? Do you contribute to this vibe or do you detract from it? When I was putting this together, I, I, I met up, I had, I had lunch with a pastor friend of mine. He pastors a, an old Lutheran church. He, he's a young guy, younger than me. Uh, and I was telling him about my vibe. And, and toward the end, he started getting this big old smile. He said, you know what, Greg, this is you. This is you. Family, welcoming, innovative, fun. And that's how a vibe gets created. It's because of us. So with your personality, with your wiring, do you contribute to this vibe or detract from it? Now, if you contribute, thank you. You are an awesome part of the vibe of river life. Now, if you detract, if maybe this doesn't describe you, <laughs> some of these, you, you're like, dude, this is just not part of who I am. It's not part of my personality. Some of you are like, I don't even like that one. <laughs> Can we do three out of four? Okay? If that's you, that's okay. You still have a home here at River Life. But I would encourage you, find somebody who you can spend some time with. Find somebody who's innovative if you're not very innovative. Have them rub off on you a little bit. If you're not a whole lot of fun, 
let's hang out for a little while and I could tell you silly jokes and we could, do, we could watch some stupid TV and we could laugh at funny stuff. And maybe I could help you laugh a little bit more. So if this isn't you, that's okay. But find some folks you can spend some time with that can help rub off on you. Because you know what? This vibe isn't just something we made up. This vibe is integral to accomplishing our mission of bringing hope and healing to second and third gen Hmong through Jesus Christ. This vibe, we believe, is essential to accomplishing that mission. So like I've done the last few weeks, can you join us? Can you join us in this mission of populating heaven with more second and third gen Hmong who have been hurt by the church, disillusioned by the church, can't find a church home, and invite them here. And invite them into heaven. Invite them to get baptized. Let's accomplish our mission together. That's the only way we can do it. By living out our vibe. Join me in prayer. God, we affirm your majesty. We affirm your greatness, your bigness. And we affirm our smallness. God, so we capture what you did with the, with the temple. Lord, and we also understand that you are organic and you are caring and you provide and you are loving and you are sacrificing and you are relational like the early church. God, you've called River Life to a unique mission, to a unique call. Lord, so I pray that every person in here can help us live that out powerfully through the Holy Spirit and effectively through some vision and some vibe. God, this is your mission that you've tasked us with. Let us do it well and let heaven be different. Let heaven be bigger because of what we, we've been able to do here and what you've been able to do through the River Life family. So let us be great servants of you, great livers and, and, and great um, uh, missionaries for your calling and your mission. And we thank you for all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who called us first to him. Amen.